How are we there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Crossbar Podcast. I'm your host, Josh, as always. Ben's here alongside me. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How's your week been? Another essential worker week? Yeah, mate, that's it. 6.0 point dot something and friggin' still the essential worker. Got me jab on Friday, so... Alright. Um, so you're going to have good receptions tonight? Yeah, it got me 5G, um, so obviously the reception's pumping. Obviously, I'm helping... Going to help Graham along this time. Obviously, he had a bit of dramas with Graham's internet last time we had, so we had oh, him on. Yeah. So the famous so Newcastle internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we're freaking Bullwater. The Bullwater internet. The Bullwater internet. <laughs> so, it's but now doing be, all right. I'm not on the bottom of the tips this week. I actually did a decent amount, so I'm back. In, I'm in seventh now. <laughs> on the EPL tips, yeah. yeah. Leading, leading the tips at the moment, so we'll see how long that lasts. So. Um, but yeah, on tonight's show, guys, obviously we are lucky enough to be joined by a couple of guests. Obviously, we've got Christian Brymora, obviously currently contracted uh, to the Edgeworth Eagles, obviously ex-Newcastle Jet. Um, he's been around Europe and so forth as well, obviously um, applying his trade back home at the moment, doing a bit of rehab um, after an operation, which we'll talk to him about. We've got, obviously, Charles Town Azuri's coach, first grade coach, Graham Law. Um, obviously, Graham, everyone in Newcastle who's been around the NPL and everything will know Graham. Been everywhere, done everything from Cooks Hill to obviously his academy he's got up and running and so forth. And obviously now signing the latest signing, Nigel Bugard, to a contract there at Charlestown. And obviously, Stephen Gruber as well, who obviously, again, been around the Newcastle football for a very long time. Um, obviously, was there at Cooks Hill as well. Valentine to, and obviously now at Charlestown as the new technical director, just to name a few. So uh, welcome, guys. Thank you very much for jumping on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, we may as well start with, obviously, the youngster, Christian Brymora. Obviously, as I was saying, obviously, you're in a bit of rehab at the moment. Um, obviously, you had, had an operation, I believe, recently. What Can you tell, obviously, the viewers what that was all for? Yeah, so I just um, I had a bilateral groin lengthening, which is essentially when, uh, yeah, your groin's just overload and um you you essentially just have this whole bunch of pain uh throughout you know all your lower region and things and yeah so i just had to get that sorted so i'd be able to run and you know be able to play properly again absolutely so how long since the operation how are you traveling now i've seen obviously on facebook you you're definitely getting motoring now you've been on the bike and obviously doing a bit of training on your own considering you're in lockdown so um how's yeah. things coming along Oh, look, I've, uh, you know, I've started to really hit, you know, a, a, you know, this phase in where I'm actually starting to able to be able to train myself and really start to put myself in a position where I'm able to, you know, physically be up for a challenge. Um, you know, the operation was end of March now. So it's, you know, it's been a fair little while um, and it took me, a, took me a good couple of months to, you know, get back to, you know, functioning. But uh, yeah, no, coming, coming along really well and uh, yeah, looking forward to it all. Absolutely. Obviously, um, for those out there, obviously, you don't know too much about Christian. Obviously, he is Newcastle born and bred. Um, obviously, he started his career, obviously, I'm sure. Where, where did you start your career? I won't go into it. I'll well, I'll actually go back on that. I'm actually Sydney born. Sydney born? I'm Sydney born. Well, So, Sydney born, but Newcastle grown up since I was about five years old. Oh, right. There you so, go. The Wikipedia page does lie. Whoever whoever's doing the Wikipedia page, if you're here tonight, you might want to update that. Uh, you're not helping me out here. Um, 
So Sydney born and bred. Uh, where was your junior football? Obviously, you know. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So grew up. So born in Sydney, moved to Newcastle at uh, about five years old. The junior club was uh, Warners Bay Panthers. So um, I grew up in like the Lake Macquarie re- region. You know, I played through all the uh, just Warners Bay Panthers. I uh, played for Lake Macquarie Rep, Northern New South Wales. Uh, I had a stint there at Charlestown. Charlestown City Blues, though, it was, in, uh, it was a junior club up at, up on the top there. Yeah. Um, and then from there, yeah, I went into the Northern program, which then eventually turned into the Jets Academy. And, uh, yeah, I worked my way through the Jets Academy from under 15s through to the first team, essentially. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Obviously, Newcastle Jets NPL, um, yeah, from obviously, you know, the 2013 roughly. Um, obviously, right through, as you said, to getting getting a chance. You play, you, you made that lucky appearance, obviously. Uh, six minutes, I believe. Yes, the famous the famous six minutes, that's it. The one where no one knows about. And who's this bloke who played for the Jets? And he's, he's wearing a Jets shirt, but who is he? Um, can you tell us a little bit about it, mate? Like, what happened there? Obviously, you know, you signed. I'm sure it was obviously, you know, dream come true. You'd been busting your ass through the academy and everything else. And, you know, there's a lot of yeah, blokes, a lot obviously, of blokes. that are with you, obviously, tra- you know, training alongside you to obviously get to where you want to be as well. So, um, and then you finally got there, mate. What was it like? Yeah, look, it was, um, you know, that whole that whole period of being in the youth team, like uh, Graham, Graham was there for a, for a small portion of it uh, while I was there as well. And, um, you know, being through the youth team and things, we had a really good se- like good couple seasons there. And, um, and, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was a... We had Clayton as a head coach, Gomez was assistant, and uh, with uh, Gallagher and and Graham there as well. And um, you know, so I really enjoyed my time there. And you know, I eventually got my um, opportunity from you know just scoring goals and and getting away from things like that. And uh, at the stage there, it was Scott Miller who was in charge. Yep. Um, and then yeah, so we had the trip to China, uh, came back, and then Mark Jones came in essentially right after our tip from China. So I signed in between coming back from China and Mark Jones coming in. Um, so, you know, already it was one of those things where it was, I'd worked to essentially hard enough to get myself a deal and then a change of coaches, you know, it's the first time I've ever, ever experienced anything like this, um, especially signing my first deal. So it was, you know, it's a bit of a, um, oh, you could say daunting or and things like that. But, you know, leading through that season up to when I made my famous six minutes, um, yeah, it was tough. You know, it was um, you know, it was a tough training environment, and it was the first time I've ever experienced something like that. And um, you know, and essentially for me to to have gotten those minutes was it was hard. You know, being in an environment with professional footballers, it's um, you know, it's it's not easy. And uh, just to have gotten those six minutes was a lot of work. Um, like I, I just remember that the reason I got that opportunity was. Just that those couple of weeks in training where you know I had a uh, I had a good re- a really good spell of just scoring some goals in training and that's what led to that you know having that opportunity and um, you know looking back at that time you know you you know I'm 22 now so I look back and that was when I was 17 18 mm-hmm. um, and you look back at that and you know I take away the things from that personally is just the amount of effort that you have to put in. Um, and the consistency that you have to have, you know, going through a professional career and things like that, um, you know, that really have to make yourself sustainable. Like, you know, kudos to the boys that are in the A-League and people that are professional footballers because, you know, it is hard work to keep your position. 
That's exactly right. 100%. It can't have been easy, obviously, as you said. Obviously, um, he touched on the Scotty Miller um, incident and so forth, which, as fans, I was gobsmacked. Um, that we all were. Uh... Just for the fact that I thought he was the right man for the job. Um, and I think he, I thought he was going to do really good things when he was announced at the club and um, then sort of come back from China and everything else and what had happened and so forth. It sort of made no sense from a fan's point of view. So, um, But, yeah, as you said, it's part of football, I suppose. You've got you to roll the punches and, um, you know, as I'm sure Graham and that can testify to, you know, coaching jobs not guaranteed. You know, it's earned and you've got to put in the hard yards and, unfortunately, you don't always get to make the final decision on when you get to go. So, um, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. you know... Yeah, so oh, that's anything in football though. Like you know, it's it's local. Like you know, we can just you know we'd be able to discuss it about NPL. Like you know, it's it's competitive. You know, mm-hmm. it is a competitive environment. It is a competitive comp. There's players going for positions, let alone in those types of environments for yeah, both players, um, for both players and coaches. You know, it's it's a you know it is a tough industry to be in, but that's just what makes it so good. And that's, and that's exactly right. It's, it's football and, um, you know, it's amazing. We're sitting here talking to you, mate, and as I said, you, you're still only 22. You yeah. know, the, the, everything, everything in front of you and you've had so much um, knowledge and experience already, you know, at such a young age, which is, you know, um, any young footballer would, you know, kill for. Um, it, it'll come together. It's coming come, together. It's coming together. Yeah. It's, it's you, just got, you just have to look at it that way, you know. What's done but, is done. It's a growing I, I, I mean, to look at it personally as well, even though, you know, it was that six minutes, it was a very historic six minutes because you were one of very few people that have been able to stand on a pitch in a jet shirt and actually stand there, uh, you know, in a game against Perth Glory, they've actually won. They've won, yeah. Well... You know, it's funny you say that. There's one photo that I've got on my whiteboard, and it's the photo of me making my debut. And it's just about me just remembering about that feeling, about how it felt in that moment. And that's, and you know, bringing that up, I find that hilarious. Is like the Jets' history, I think it was, they haven't won a game there in like 10 games or something like that. You know, and that's, even though it was, like you said, it's only, it was only six minutes, but it was, it was part of history. So that's right. I hold that very close. Exactly right, 100%. Um, you moved, obviously, on from that season. You went to Lambton for a bit. Um, obviously, you signed there anyway, obviously, for the 2017 season before moving, obviously, abroad. Um, obviously, went over, obviously, applied your trade at Millwall. Um, what was that like? Obviously, how, how did that even come about? So, at the time, I had somebody that um, that kind of made a – you know, uh, a suggestion about heading overseas. And to me, it was kind of, well, I guess starting out, it, it, you know, it's, I don't know how to word it. It's a it's a difficult time because, you know, like 17, 18, it's kind of really starting to go well for you and, you know, but you don't really know what to do. So I was offered a, an extension at Jets, but I, I thought about the opportunity of going overseas and just what, what might come of that, you know, like 18, just finishing school, you know, I was, I was in a mind frame. It was like, you know, let's go do something. and and, you know, really have a crack at this overseas. Um, you know, so I, I went to Jaffa's, had, I only played two games there as a bit of a transition, you know, just to stay fit for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Yep. And, um, yeah, and essentially I just had someone that, you know, had had a couple of contacts over there and I essentially got myself over there and, and yeah, took it from there. Um, you know, I was there probably for a good two months before, oh, sorry, a good two weeks before anything popped up. But uh, my first trial was actually at Watford. 
so I had three weeks out, out at Watford. And, uh, yeah, look, like that's, you know, being in a facility like that, you know, we can't compare what we have here to over there. You know, it's just another yep. – it's unbelievable facilities, you know, facilities, coaching staff, um, just in terms of like quantity and um, everything else that comes along with it. So, um, yeah, so I had three weeks there and, you know, that was a bit of an eye-opener in terms of, um, you know, who you share your space with, you know. It was just it, – it's just as – as simple as you know they have a cafeteria and you know you can sit down and i had a meal with i had breakfast with troy Deeney one day um you know he just simply walks up and goes who are you kid from australia essentially wow um so yeah so i had three weeks there and uh it was one of those situations where you know look at it maybe probably being a bit naive in in this sense and uh you know only being freshly 18 was you know stay for one week yeah stay for another week yeah, we really like you. And then, you know, it's it's brutal. It's ruthless and essentially, not, you know, it's not for us anymore. Mm. So yeah. um, so at that stage, you know, and that was, like I said, my first real, uh, oh, like, geez, that's, that hurts. You know, that's, I haven't had anything. I haven't felt something like this. You know, it's my first disappointment, like away from home by myself. And then, uh, yeah, so from there, you know, my next trial was at, uh, what was it, probably about, two days later and these are both uh, London clubs. So, you know, it was, I at least had that, you know, uh, the simplicity of being able to get around, but um, yeah, my next trial was out at a, was out at Millwall and, you know, I had a, I had one week essentially to be there and uh, it was just as simple as, you know, I played training games, first teamers, first teamers versus 23s and a couple of 18s. And as the game went on, I uh, just basically, you know, it's, it, as a striker um it's all about scoring goals at the end of the day that's mm-hmm. you know that's all we have to do so you know in that game in you know intra-club match game i got a hat trick and um and yeah it just took from there yeah right far out so obviously you go to millwall um around that same sort of period and so forth you're lucky enough to have an aussie legend um of the football world currently playing applying his trade there as well coming to the end of his career in uh, tim cahill <laughs> Um, yep. did he, how did he, did he help you in any way? Like, did he give you any confidence or? It's, you know? yeah, it's one of those things where like, I look back and it's kind of, you kind of question yourself and be like, did that actually happen? Because, you know, like you look back just at games, you know, 2006 world cup, 2010 world cup. And you look back and I just go, I was sitting in my living room watching this guy play score goals. Yeah. You know, you, you see him on the TV and you go, geez, like that's one of Australia's greatest. Yeah. You know, to all of a sudden be eating lunch in, you know, just the cafeteria and all of a sudden he work, walks in and, you, go, and you know, you go up to shake and, you know, mention yourself and he goes, no, I know who you are. <laughs> you know, and that's like, for me personally, is like there's some things that you just remember forever. Say my Jets debut, something like that yeah. is you remember those things and it's, um, you know, from that point on, like there was so at the time, you know, it was quite, it was, it was a, I loved my time at Mill because it was so James Meredith and I really got on really well. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a left back there at the time. And then, you know, Tim stepping into the picture as well. It was kind of, kind of like three Aussies and I was the, you know, like the baby brother essentially of the two. Um, and yeah, from that point on, you know, we played, we played a game against Colchester and pretty, uh, Coventry together. Yep. Um, and, you know, and we had a six-month period together and it was essentially, you know, I had any questions, you know, it was kind of like one of those fanboys where it was, what do I do here? What do I do there? Like, you know, where where can I go? Where do I make my movements and things? And 
And just from a perspective of, um, you know, like I said, you know, you look back at these things and, you know, he was over there when he was so young as well. And, and for me, I look back and go, he was looking after me in a sense of how he probably wanted to be looked after as well, because like, it was hard, you know, I, you know, being away from family, being there with nobody that you don't know, you know, I lived in a dig, um, which was so new to me, you know, living with a family that you've never met before. Um, you know, it was all new environments. Um, and yeah, and I just look back and just go, you know, that's something I'm so grateful for. And I take away, you know, all the positives that I can out of it and just use them when, when I can and where I can. Absolutely. Um, we'll quickly fly through, obviously, and get back towards the NPL, which is where we want to start. Yeah, yeah, sure. The show, but obviously, um, you, you, had a bit, you finished up there, obviously, your time there. You then moved, obviously, over to Sweden for a little bit. Um, yep. I believe it was roughly a game going off Wikipedia here. So, freaking Christ, you could have played 60 games there. It's only telling us you played 19, 19 games, 10 goals. Um, was it, what was it like going from, say, England to obviously Sweden? Completely different again? Cold. Cold, yes. Yes, Laurie, no. It's just, I was lucky because the period that I was there, it was, I missed. Like I was there essentially just under a year. So I missed that like minus 20 degrees crap weather. But um, yeah, look, I mean, it was different in terms of a sense of like, firstly, like, you know, football's different, but then you've got to also account for like the culture, the living, the language, like, you know, Swedish is one of the hardest languages to learn. Mm. But um, yeah, look, I mean, that was a, it was an opportunity and I just thought it'd be the best outcome because you just need to play men's football at the end of the day. Like that's, that's anywhere you need men's football. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I've, you know, I've got myself in a position to score some goals there and, you know, I really enjoyed it and things like that. And, and look at the end of the day, you know, like we said, football, you know, things happen and you just can't account for it. So it was just a, it was a situation where the club just wasn't in a position financially to make things happen and, and we're in a bit of strife and, and that's just what it was. So, um, and that's just what's brought me back to Australia at the meantime. And Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we got happy, mad, sad. Welcome, mate. If anyone in the chat's got any questions as well for the guys, as I said, we're going to jump in and talk, obviously, a lot of MPL right now. Um, and obviously, if you just want to go share it on, on Facebook, obviously, be sure to go share it around and get as many people in as you can, obviously, to talk a bit of football as well. Um, well, as you said, you touch on that. You've come back to, New, you've come back to Newcastle, obviously, and um, you know, applied your trade. Obviously, I think you went to Magic there for a bit. And then obviously ended up briefly down at Green Gully, down our neck of the woods. Yeah, our neck of the woods, yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously to the mighty Edgeworth Eagles. Obviously, you, you've been around, mate. Obviously, the MPLs, you know, and as this is where we'll get obviously the guys in now and obviously talk about the MPL as, as a whole. Um, obviously, you know, what Edgeworth, let's be honest, they've been dominant since pretty much 2015. I don't think they've missed a grand final since 2015. They haven't won all of them, but obviously they've been there for a long time. Um, what's your thoughts on it, Christian? Why why the success? What makes them, what makes that club tick? You know what I mean? Why are they always there? There's, there's a certain couple of characters there which have been there for those good couple, four or five years. Um, you know, your Josh Evans, your Pat Wheelers, Rosie, um, you know, Zany was there for a fair while, your Tyson Jackson, you know, there's a couple, there's a fair few players that, that are there that are just stable and just know how to win games. 
Mm. Um, you know, like last year, we look back on last year, you know, it was one of those, um, you know, Laurie, was it 13 games last year? 13, 14? Yeah, yeah, yeah 13 games, 13. sure. Yeah, and, you know, like just looking back at last year, we were in a position where, you know, Rosie stepped in as our coach last year, but yeah. he also played the whole season. So, you know, just even looking back at last year, it was one of those where we didn't have a coach. You know, we had a coach that played, but that's totally different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just looking back at last year, it just comes to say that there's players at that club that are just so stable and so strong in this, you know, and there's players like that all across the league. But, um, you know, I just think for Edgeworth's success, I think there's a couple like, you know, especially Josh, uh, Josh Evans and Pat Wheeler, you know, they've really just, just been there and being able to be, you know, the stable, you know, steer that ship. Yeah, and as I said, it's been, it's, you know, it's no, no, the class is just unbelievable. You know, watching them down here, obviously, I would have watched one Bar TV. Thanks to Bar TV for allowing that to be possible for us. It would be hard, hard not watching me local football, obviously. I love it. Um, yeah. But, it, but it's so dominant, you know, that Edgeworth is so dominant. And as I said, they have been for so many years now. Um, obviously, we'll give it to you, Graham. Obviously, he's the coach of Charlestown. You know, obviously, we're not sitting here going to take a pissing contest or whatever, but obviously, what, what do you think? Well, you know, obviously, he's come out and stated that obviously it's a few of the leaders and obviously a few of the players there and obviously people in the back, back room. Um, how, how do you break them down? What are you going to do? Um, let's, let's say next season. I think, I think just stability of a club, first and foremost. Obviously, um, DZ is um, <clears throat> key to the success of what happened there, but um, the fact that it's continued on makes you realise that there's obviously just a good recipe throughout the whole club um, but again obviously um, Damien drove that but as uh, Christian touched on it was it was pretty impressive last year to see them continue under different circumstances Yeah well obviously for, as Chelsea and coach you you, should, you would have thought obviously and I'm sure everyone else did who um, every other club you know, they've seen, obviously, what happened there with the coaching staff, obviously changing, player coach. Um, as I'm sure you'll agree, it's, it is a completely different scenario. You could have the best coach in the world, but if he's still playing, he's still got that playing mindset and wants to be involved in that side of it as well. Um, to see them, obviously, continue on their merry way, um, yeah, it definitely was impressive. Mm, yeah. You, when you've got a, a, a core um, senior playing group as well, that, that can carry quite far, I think. Christian touched on that. It's probably a um, key element of what got them through. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, moving forward as well, like, we can look on, you know, look at next year. Like, you're bringing your likes of Jacob Pepper back in. You're bringing, you know, you're bringing Nigel back in. You know, bringing these types of players into, you know, your local NPL gives it so much more credibility and so much more stability across the league. Um, you know, like, you start to level, oh, I'm not saying level playing fields out, but... You know, you start to create a bit more of a championship like feel where it's you don't know what's gonna happen week to week. Mm. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's what I you know, and that's what I give credit to the league for, you know, or not to the league but to the clubs, you know. You bring people in that start to lift the standards and things like that, and all of a sudden, you know, you start to make something of Newcastle a bit more and and of the teams. Yeah, well that's it's a good point, obviously. Um as we'll touch on, obviously um, Graham's obviously in the club, obviously Stephen and so forth. They've obviously brought in uh, Boogs has signed on for next season. Um, uh, was it Mellon as well? Yeah, Jacob Mellon, uh, former Central Coast. 
recent Central Coast Mariner and so forth. Obviously, there's you know plenty of talk of Pep, uh, Pepper coming home and stuff like that. Where he ends up yet, we don't know. But obviously, he's a Charlestown boy, so it could be a possibility as well. Um, and then as um, Christian said, you know, it, it does level it out. Um, the question I've got for you, though, Stephen, is obviously as the new technical director, um, yep. what do you what do you need to bring in? As I said, you've been around a long time. You've been at Valentine, um, who, let's be honest, is struggling at the moment um, over the last could couple of seasons. Valentine could change next year, but yeah. they've actually they're bringing in a lot of new, uh, older players, but new into the club. So yeah. they actually could be looking quite good next year as well. As which me and Graham would just, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is good to see. Yeah. Yeah, me and Graham were discussing the other day that teams might change next year. They may actually be teams sliding off the top and then others going up with some of the new signings coming on next year. So, yeah. Um, so what, what are you looking to bring into Charlestown, mate? What's, what, what are your plans? Uh, my plans are that we're actually going to be trying to go for a third night. Most actually youth teams in the NPL are actually going three nights now instead of two. So we're going to try to go every fortnight for a third night. But we're going to try to either have an academy or bring in other specialist coaches. We've already got an ex-Socceroo that's actually agreed to come on board. We've got a couple of other high-level ex-NPL first-grade coaches that have agreed to come on board as well to come in and work with the kids next year on the um, second every second Friday night. So I'll be having an app. The kids will be actually, the assistant coaches will be taking stats. Those stats will be given to me. I'll actually put formatted to actually give information back to the coaches and then give it back to the actual specialist coaches to show them what they need to work on each fortnight with the kids. So I think the kids are excited. And then Bogart's come on as well. So we'll try to bring him involved and get him working with the kids as well. And already there's been the EOI's expressions of interest has gone up quite a bit after his signing. And the talk around the club at Lair, I think it could be a very good year at Charlestown next year for sure. Yeah, well, um, absolutely. You know, it's, you've got to think about, obviously, you know, as I said, you bring in Boogs, that changes everything. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, New, Newcastle legend, obviously, ex-fresh, ex-Newcastle jet. Um, he's going to come in, as, as I said, pretty fresh. He's not going to be missing a beat. He'll, he'll no. be still keeping pretty fit for next year. Um, obviously, but as, Christian, but as he said to us as well in his interview a couple of weeks ago, he spent that long in football and football has given him everything. He wants to spend that time to give it back. Mm. And again, cool. perfect way to do it. Oh, yeah, we'll use him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we'll use that mind of his and bring it in towards the kids or the adults. It hasn't been worked out yet exactly what we want to do with him. Graham might have a bit more of an idea about that, but we will definitely get him working there. And a lot of the kids are excited about him coming on board. I mean, let, let's take it back, Josh. Let's go back 15, nearly 20 years. If even point one of these opportunities were around when we were, when we were juniors... Things would be so much more different. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they would be. Like I remember playing at Adamstown, obviously in the whatever it was back then, NBN State League or whatever it was. It in the in the youth system, obviously, um, under twenties and eighteens and stuff like that. And you know, not really having these sort of blokes to look up to. You know what I mean? Like they had some great, great players, obviously at the club and so forth back when I was playing and that. But again, not of the caliber of X A League or X N S L in those days. Yeah. 
stuff like that um, to look up to. But, um, yeah, the kids, you know, the NPL has obviously gone strength. You know, you look at Christian, obviously himself, I'm sure you can sit there and say, obviously playing alongside some of these, you know, players um, that have obviously Erex, A-League players, obviously Rose. And um, you were there You were there with McBreen last season? No, no, he was two years ago. Not two, yeah, missed him. Um, but obviously you were at Magic as well. Obviously you've been there. So Magic, full of obviously ex, a few ex-players as well and stuff like that. Surely those guys obviously step up your game you know, and obviously, you know, give you, give you something to push towards? Yeah, look, I think it's more, you know, as a young player and wanting to be, um, well, back then being younger, uh, you more look at uh, these types of situations as for me, I find like you look at it as a challenge, like, you know, how, how do I overcome, you know, people that have gotten that experience and how am I, you know, going to use them to get myself better, but also, you know, use them to motivate myself to, you know, essentially go further. Like, you know, because at the end of the day, football is a, you know, as a player, it is a competition. Like, you know, mm. as much as your teammates, you love them and you you want to win win games and things like that. Um, you know, I've I've always had a drive that, you know, how can I be out there, you know, to to make sure that I sustain myself in, in a team and, like, keep my position. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly right. And um, obviously, you know, it, it's just – it's going to be great to see, obviously. I was I – was, Look, to be disappointed, is, you know, I'll, let's be honest, I was pretty disappointed when he signed for Charlestown. Um, I, I, I told him to go to the Buds and thought that's where he would have ended up, but, you know, he sold out on me. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway we're, we're destined for shit for another season. It's hard to watch being a Buds fan <laughs> recently, but, uh, you know, we've had all the success for 100 years ago, so it's time to give someone else a go, I suppose. Um, obviously... Yeah. Uh, Elliot's put a question in there for you, Christian. Obviously, how do you go about maintaining fitness at a semi-pro, as a semi-pro, uh, semi-pro player? Is it balanced against full-time work, et cetera? You know, being, being in a position that I'm in, like, you know, Graham can back this up, and I'm sure Stephen can as well. There's, you know, everyone has their own, like, individual path and individual, you know, journey that they go on. So some people, you know, crack it first time and go on and do their thing, and others, you know, have a rocky, you know, a rocky road in what they do. So, you know, for me, it's it's been something where, like, I've, I've got this sole motivation, you know, to be the best player I can and to go on and achieve things. So, you know, like I, um, being home at the moment and especially with lockdown and things and, and just being a semi-pro footballer, it's, you know, I've always had a drive to get me back into a professional environment. So the way I've, you know, kind of got, gone about it is I work as hard as I can on my day-to-day as that being my my main priority. That's my, that's my goal, my ambition, my dream. Like, um, you know, but at the same time you have to also incorporate, you know, day-to-day life, like, you know, as a coach, like coaches as well, you know, you have to work, you have to work, you have to support families and things like that. Um, so for me, it's, it's just been about, I structure my days around my football training and then, then I have to incorporate, you know, just a part-time job. Uh, you know, I was just working at Ridges hotel, like at a Ridges hotel, Yep. Um, and then, yeah, and then I've also factored in, you know, university because at the end of the day, football is football is football. You have to have something next to that that, you know, you have something else. So, in terms of maintaining fitness, it's just been about more. Um, yeah, it's it's just been about structuring, you know, my days and my weeks and putting myself next to people where I can get extra sessions in. Uh, around, you know, my MPL sessions and my training sessions with the club. 
Yeah. 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 No, and that's obviously um, another, you know, another massive thing. You've got to think that a lot of these guys are obviously, you know, they work full time and, mm. you know, more so, more so the older guys, um, you know, working full time and so forth, trying to do, juggle, obviously, fitness and everything else. No different to the W League, I suppose. Um, you know, and that's a professional, they're, they're meant to be professional athletes, to be honest. Yeah. You know, they're juggling work and obviously training and obviously all that sort of stuff and, you know, putting families and that on hold as well, I suppose, being, being women and, um, you know, wanting, wanting kids and stuff like that. So they're doing all the sacrificing a lot as well. And it's, I suppose, as you, as you would agree, Christian, it's what you do yeah. for the dream that you've got. And um, for as long as you want to pursue it, it's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like it's, um, it's something that, you know, you, you know, when like, you know what you want in your life and, you know, that's just, you'll do everything you can to work towards it. Yeah. All right, I've got, I've got um, a question for everybody here uh, on a bit of a lighter note. Okay. So we've, now that we've um, moved across a little bit and speaking about semi-pro players and things like that and balancing um, the work lives and things like that. Uh from each of you, what is what has been the weirdest job, in your opinion, that one of your a, a player that you know of or a player that you've coached has had as a side as a footballer? We'll go with you, Graham. Um, I've <laughs> well, I've actually employed a few of the boys who. Um, Who've co- hey, who've played for me and played at the Jets? So I had uh, I had Cal Bauer on a shovel for twelve months. <laughs> I've I've had uh, I think I've had Regan. I've had I've had all of them just coming in digging holes. There you go. Um, I'd, a couple of uh, had Matt Johnston who played for me last year at Azuri. I had him cleaning toilets, portable toilets, and putting fencing out. So. More of the jobs I've given players rather than done myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> Steve and yourself, mate, obviously. Oh, we had a night this year where the ground wasn't the best, the drainage wasn't getting out, so we dumped a heap of dirt on the ground. 18s to reserve the scrays all had to get out there with the shovels and start filling up, put all the sand across the ground. Of course, all the young fellas mm-hmm. over there, 18-year-olds, were hiding and all the older fellas were doing all the work right. as usual. <laughs> no, uh, hi, Christian. May, may I also add a guy I employed for eighteen months was the worst person on a shovel ever, and he plays in your team, Jakey McGuinness. No, <laughs> you put Jake on. A, you put Jake on a shovel. I had to put a camera on that guy. I, he'd be on the shovel. I'd be watching him, and I'd leave, and I'd maybe go away to Bunnings or something, and come back, and nothing had been done. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what you did wrong there, but... Hiring them for a start. <laughs> good kid, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, good what, kid, but... What about you, mate? What about you, Christian? What if, anyone, obviously, sort of weirdish jobs or... Well, I don't know about weirdish jobs because, obviously, like, you know, like Graham said, he, he's been able to hire a couple of boys. But last year, I came back from Melbourne when COVID first started and like, you know, none of that job keeper, job seeker or anything wasn't available for me. So I actually, um, my old man's in the underground business. He runs one of the, he, he's an operations manager at one of them and he essentially got me in, into one of the underground mines and in the workshops, um, basically cleaning, uh, you know, 50, 60 ton underground miners, uh, which was probably one of the worst jobs I've done. 
Wow. So, yeah. So, look, I've... Oh, good question. Were you... Were you cleaning the miners or the miners' equipment? <laughs> <laughs> the miners' equipment. Let's get that clear. Yeah. Little column, Hey, look. They need help, some of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a new, uh, yeah, that's that a new, was. That's a new way of sort of shining shoes, mate. <laughs> uh, look, it makes you think about working oh, about really you know what you do like that was that is hard work that is hard labor you know and i just go god for what i do right now chasing a football dream it's like you just go god credit to those that you know get up at you know 4 a.m every day and, and go and do that absolutely exactly right elliot's put a question in here i'll propose this to obviously the coaches um He's said he's asked a question here. How do, how do signings and transfers work in the MPL? Is it who can offer the best wages? You know, I'll pay I'll pay for a pie and a Mars bar per game, etc. Um, h- how does that sort of work? Um, I'll let you guys work it out. Who wants to answer that one? Um, I think if you you're at the elite level, this is an interesting one in that it's a very um, hot topic just now locally of um, players dropping back in from professional to semi-professional and yep. demanding wages but I think it has to be a reality check in that why should these players if you start from the top why should these players not get the the rewards and even even the ones dropping back for the benefit of the game which most of them do yep. they, they, the input that they can have on a club um, which obviously we are hoping Nigel will right across the whole club, not not just at the at the senior first grade level, but across the WPL program, the new JDL program, like just the input these guys can have and the experience can bring to a whole club, yep. along with what they can contribute on the pitch. And and from a head coach point of view, like if you look at my team, like I, I've got two really young centre backs and and Cal Bauer and and Jackson Friendo who are both doing tremendously well. They now have an opportunity to play with the, the Newcastle Jets captain. Like I don't think it's just a case of the the person's question in terms of who offers the most. I think I, I think it's a case of how a club's structured and and what that they want to achieve. So you then move that down to what you call the second tier of negotiation is question in terms of what you can offer. It's pretty much a level playing field after that. Yeah, it's really a case of the same at a senior level, just explaining to the player why you want them to come to the club, what your philosophy as a coach is, what the ambitions of the club are and and then the, the other stuff that, that comes with it in terms of how many nights you're training, what type of facilities you can offer non-training so gym etc and then the the game locally has really moved into a, an analysis level in terms of GPS tracking how a player's what they're doing what they're eating that's he, Christian will tell you that's now heavily involved in the local game even at MPL level so uh, there's, a, there's a lot more to it than just oh we can offer you that and he can offer that uh, players are becoming quite cute players are that are wanting to progress from semi-pro to, to professional, which there's still a lot in Newcastle. One, they're challenging coaches now on more than just hey, am I get, 
am I getting 20 bucks am I getting 50 bucks it's what can you do for me how can you improve my game mm. yeah yeah right um, Stephen obviously you obviously as the technical director would be involved in obviously a bit of that as well um, you know if, what, what would well Boogs how, how did that how did that come about like what was the main thing that got him over the line I'm not going to talk money and Stuff like oh, that. I, t- I tell you, it, well, I, I wouldn't talk money anyway, to be honest with you, because I have no idea. I yeah. what I enjoy the the structure I love at Charlestown is I identify a player in the club deal with the negotiations, which Christian will obviously be used to at a, at a professional level. That's what I've tried to bring in at Charlestown that professional level, and that I don't see a need for me to know what the players are on. To be honest with you, Josh, it's really none of my yeah. business. I just I just want to know that they're at the club to play for me and for the right reasons um, so how it came about is obviously as a as a coach I'd, 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 excuse me, I'd identified where I wanted to improve the squad for next year and one of them was a, um, a centre back that, that, that could bring some some experience to my backline and because I've got a very young team at Charlestown which if you follow the local comp you'd be aware other than yep other than one or two players most of my players are 25 and under yep. um, and we're in a position that I really think we can push on and have a, a couple of really successful seasons but with youth you do need a sprinkling of experience so I had um, identified a couple of players that we thought could become available through my own contacts and also through others um, and Nigel Obviously, everybody that knows the game knew that he had finished at the Jets. So I identified to the club that if we could um, speak with Nigel and the, the club took over it and set up, um, obviously in these times we couldn't meet face-to-face, so we set up a few Zoom meetings and calls. And to be honest with you, after the second call, there was, there was one sentence Nigel said and I was bought in as a head coach and he went, Graham... I ain't coming back just to kick the ball about. He says, I've achieved a lot in the game, but I want to win a couple of comps. And I, I was bought in on that, just that statement there. I was like, yeah, you're definitely the right type of person. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, he's he speaks for himself. His career speaks for himself. And, obviously, he's going to do massive things, obviously, at the club and whatever club he did go to, obviously. But yeah, I think even the way he handled his cell during the conversations, you just... Yeah. The guy, the guy's just got an aura about him, and you just speak to anyone. For for everybody to have something good to say about somebody, it generally means it's a real top bloke. And right throughout Newcastle, even non-football people that have came across Nigel, everyone just says good bloke, good bloke. So I feel I feel very fortunate as a head coach, and we as a club feel really happy that Nigel chose us to come and and play it and give us his um, experience on and off the park. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, even, even JDL coaches and little play, little kids are already asking, when do we get Bogart part of our sort of contracts? <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. When's, you know, he, and that's the biggest thing. He's going to do so much from obviously top to bottom yeah. to the junior system and everything else. Um, you know, it's like any any professional player. They come into a club. Who wouldn't want to be part of that? You know what I mean. Yeah. I think. I think first and foremost, though, from a head coach point of view, he's a very good football player, and and I'm really pleased to have him in the team. Yeah, and absolutely right. You know, 
Um, his football ability is question, you know, no question there. His um, his leadership is just unbelievable, and obviously the knowledge that he will obviously give to players, you know, yeah, no, no question there. It's just going to be un, unbelievable. Um, and and as he's told us as well, his drive to give back to football because it's football. given him so much as well. Exactly right, um, Christian, mate. Obviously, you know you're only contracted to the end of the season at Edgy. Um, what, what are your plans? I'm not saying that obviously you know that doesn't look enticing. He's only got a, you know, he likes the young, uh, likes the young boys. You know, average of 25. But what's what's your ambitions, mate? Obviously, you want you want to get fit first. Um, look, it's um, you know, for NPL seasons, it's normally a year to year basis. So um, normally you just see at the end of the year, and then that's when you know you you have discussions and things like that. Um, you know, for me. For me, currently, it's just it's just an open book situation where, you know, there's no reason to be anywhere, and especially with COVID and things like that. I just mm. think, you know, I love playing at Edgeworth, and I think it's you know I've really enjoyed my time there. And um, and look, like you said, it, for me, it's just it's about purely getting fit because once I get myself in the best position, that's you know best position physically. Um, you know that that can put me in, you know, in good stead for opportunities, whether that's here, whether that's interstate, whether that's overseas. You know, it's um, yeah, it's just about getting an opportunity to play. Yep. And, and you know, for me, like I said, Edgeworth's been a really good boat for me. And uh, you know, like last season, it, it was a really good vessel because it got me up to Brisbane Raw um, on trial. And you know, it's it's just something where. You know, looking forward, it's just I've got to be in a position where I can just, yeah, be able to go to the next place and be ready to go. Well, at the end of the day, mate, I, you know, I, I don't know what you're like, but my head would be, if, you know, you, you never leave a non-sinking ship. So um, mm. <laughs> when it's still performing, obviously, at that level and, you know, obviously the season it went through last year and obviously they're still doing all right this season, COVID permitting, um, you know, obviously no real point of leaving unless I get a absolute... Ripper and give an offer elsewhere. So, um, I do have a question for you though in regards to Edgeworth. Obviously, I've done some digging in regards to obviously the MPL and WMPL, etc. And obviously, Stephen may have a good indication on this, so I'll get his opinion as well. Obviously, the women's structure. So the WMPL, obviously, they've yeah they've come out now, and I believe they've got another. Um, Another team in there or something like that, I believe. Um, what was it? Or, or it's up to a new competition, a new name, new structure. Oh, I think it's just that they've gone into MP. They, they've wanted going underneath an MPL banner. The banner, yeah. Because yeah, yes. it was women's. Um, it was just women's. Fo- yeah, yeah. W. Yeah. Yeah, football. Um, your what's your thoughts, Christian? Obviously, you know, as a player yourself and stuff like that. And obviously, Stephen as well. Um, you know, then now that they've gone into that MPL scenario, and obviously it's now classed as the MPL. Um, do you feel that obviously all MPL clubs should have a representation of women's football there? I know Edgeworth don't um, currently, and obviously there are a few other teams as well. But surely that's the way that we need to go into that sort of moving forward. Uh, so- yeah. Oh, look, I was just going to say from, you know, it, it, it's also just going to be from a point of view demographically as well, you know, which, 
which clubs, you know, like Warners Bay is quite a big WPL side. You know, they have a lot of, uh, you know, they've got a lot of junior development there and they've bred a lot of good, uh, you know, like uh, girls out of there who, you know, play for the Jets. You've got your Cass Davids, you've got, um, you know, you've got an influx from that type of club there. You've got Walls End, who's also a very strong um, women's side. So, you know, from that point of view, I, you know, I do believe like Maitland's just brought in a women's side um, as well. Like Keeling coached them last year or this season. And uh, I, he was with us for a short period last year as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, so from from my point of view, I think it's um, you know, I think it's great with women's sides starting to be incorporated with MPL clubs. Um, but it's also just that thing of where you know where do a majority of like uh, you know young girl footballers uh, where are young girl footballers as well. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's a major driving force for where for where girls play right now. Absolutely. I think, um, it's the first club I've been at. Um, where when I was head coach at Adamstown and Maitland, we never had a girls WPL team. So obviously we um, we um, launched our first WPL team in Charlestown this year. The I can honestly say the um, the bonding between the WPL sorry the bonding between the WPL um, Azuri and the MPL Azuri has been fabulous this year. It's like we turn up. Our first grade games, all the girls are there. They're there support, and and it's been returned. We we go along and watch the the WPL girls teams. Um, we managed because of our facility um, at Charlestown down at Alan Davis Oval, our double training field. The girls and boys are mingling all week. There's a really really strong vibe at Charlestown just now that it's there's no separation. It really does feel like one club WPL and MPL um, and yeah it's been nothing but positive things from us as a club to be honest with you bringing in the girls it's it's yeah. been a real a real I, I feel actually it's been a real strength for us something that we can move forward on I yeah. believe all all MPL senior clubs should actually have WPL for sure a couple of years ago a girl said to me she said why is it that we as women are playing at the number two clubs. She said, if we're the highest level women there is, why are we playing at New FM Fields? I never looked at it like that, from, but from her perspective, she was true. But if they want to play at the highest level, the women should be on the same level as the men long term. And I believe all MPL men's clubs should have it, a women's representation. And as Graham just said, there was the people from the WPL have asked me to come across and help coach in the WPL. And I'll be doing the same vice versa, so we can actually really get together as an actual club and bond and help each other. So yeah. Yeah. No. As I said, it's I suppose Ben and I've um, yeah, have really had an eye opener. Obviously, probably during COVID, I suppose, being able to talk to a lot of the girls um, from the Jets and so forth, mm. just in regards to obviously what that you know, I suppose how they've been treated. Let's be honest, um, you know, and it's not a dig at obviously the competitions and stuff like that. They can only do within the means of what they've got to do it with. But, um, you know, six-month contracts at, at the Newcastle Jets at an A-League club, um, you know, it is ridiculous. Let's be honest, yes. you know. We've, we've been given the rights to obviously the World Cup um, for the women, obviously, in 23, in 2023, and obviously... You know, you've got girls obviously playing professionally and then they're expected to go to work on top of that Then they're expected to travel to Sydney three times a week um, minimum, obviously, without playing. Play, obviously, in the better competition. Um, for me, as I said, it's I don't expect it to happen, you know, 
next year, but it's just one of those things for me where it needs to happen. I think we yeah. want we want the best female players coming here. Yeah. They they shouldn't have to travel to Sydney to obviously play in obviously let's you know one of the best women's leagues obviously in Australia at the moment. Um, when we could obviously do it here, you know we've got some of the strongest strongest sides. You know Edgeworth's been very dominant. Magic's been very dominant. Charleston, as you said, Neonia you know, are coming obviously leaps and bounds as well. Um, along with obviously a few others, there's just no, it's a no-brainer. You know what I mean? But I it's, it, but it's the same but, thing at an NPL, uh, uh, as Stephen said, at an NPL level, it should be the same at the A League, at the um, A League level as well. That all, yes. all A League clubs should have female representation. Yeah, hundred percent. Central Coast obviously don't have the, have theirs at the moment, and um, you know, like New Zealand obviously is. A that's a bit. Di- that's a bit one. difficult. Let's 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 use Canberra as Wellington. You know, like. Let's get the Wellington, you know, as a feeder, I suppose, for the Wellington girls, maybe for Canberra. But, um, yeah, it's definitely something, obviously, that, you know, I've been looking at even down here in Melbourne, obviously, being around the NPL clubs down here and obviously just watching the girls. Um, and as Graham mentioned, obviously touched on, you know, they are very connected. They mm-hmm. they train together. They do everything together. Obviously, Thursday night, you know, when they obviously all catch up and have a meal um, after training and stuff like that, it is one unit which is great to see. So, um, yeah, as I said, it's just, it's just something for me that obviously I've always sort of looked at and just gone, it should be. You know what I mean? It needs to be. Obviously, if you've got MPL for the men, why not the women? Um, yeah. So, but yeah. Um, what do we got here? We've got a few in here as well. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a sec, um, Luke. Obviously, the Cooks Hill scenario. Um, obviously, Christian, mate, obviously, your time over in Edgy, um, playing, obviously, we've obviously passed talented players. What's Bridgie like? Have you been around Bridgie enough? What's he like as a coach? Get away, Bridgie. Yeah, look, Bridgie, for, like, personally for me, he's been, well, from the point of view of just from a, a relationship standpoint, it's been really good. Like, you know, uh, like we said, I've had surgery, so I haven't actually been involved. I wasn't involved for the first half of the season. So from that point of view of just being able to, like, communicate with someone and just, you know, always just a mental check-in, um, you know, it, it's it's been really good for me because it's just given me a chance to, you know, like debrief, you know, recovery process is hard. So um, just to be able to get things off my chest and things like that. And then from a from a footballing standpoint, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, a Leeds and Sunderland, you know, legend. So he, he's always got something to offer for me as a striker as well. There's always something little to learn. Um, and then from a coach's standpoint, you know, it's like I've really enjoyed his tactics and the way he goes about things. Um, you know, individual, like personally, I, you know, I enjoy the way he approaches, um, you know, individuals and, and a team as a collective. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously that strike, you know, obviously the striking, um, as, as a striker himself, obviously that'd be pretty, pretty no brainer, really good for you, obviously just to chew his brain and obviously get his thoughts, obviously as a youngster yourself. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah pretty good there. Um, Question I've got for you, mate, obviously, and Ben and I have spoken about it on plenty of our shows in regards to the step, you know, the gap. And that is obviously the biggest one is young footballers. Um, we've been lucky enough to speak to a few, obviously, youngsters that are obviously now currently the Jets and ex- and obviously other A-League clubs as well, where, you know, what is that gap like? You've experienced it a little bit, obviously, coming to the Jets and then obviously travelling overseas as well. How much of a gap is it? Because we've found, obviously, a lot of the kids at your age, if not younger, they get put in that scenario and they just find it that little bit too hard. You know what I mean? It's well, not hard. It's just it's a completely different game, you know, it's a completely different level, mindset. Um, 
and then obviously, unfortunately, it doesn't work out. And then you go backwards. You go back to the NPL, and then it's like a massive step back down. And you you feel from players that we've spoken to, we've had to sort of rebuild again, you know, from the very start. Um, is that sort of the case? You think, or what do you what do you feel? What's your take on it? As the gap, look, there is. Well, at the end of the day, you know, going from an environment to say where we train three days a week to somewhere that trains five days a week plus a game, and it, you know, already you can tell that there's going to be a difference. You know, boys at it together every day. You do it as your job. You live. You breathe. You know, everything you do is based around your performance. So, you know, already there is that slight. Um, you can call it a disadvantage if you like to say. Um, but from you know, from a standpoint of an MPL player going up to that level, I think you've just got to have like a different mindset going into it. You know, there's um, they have that advantage of you can say training more, but at the end of the like at the same time, you know, I have the opportunity to get uh, fitter, stronger, and if I'm going to step into that type of environment, it's got to be I have to be able to outrun those players, I have to be able to outmuscle those players, I have to be able to outwork those players. Um, you know, that's my mindset of when, you know, hopefully being in a position like that soon is you have to be willing to, you know, have a mind frame and and desire just that when you go in there, yeah, they're going to have maybe an upper hand on you. But at the same time, you've got to go in there with, like, you have to be the hardest working person there because at the end of the, the day, that's what's going to get you somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely, um, Stephen. Mate, have you have you experienced that as obviously as a coach and in that you know sort of stuff of like players that have had that chance, gone up and then sort of come back and just sort of you know felt like they've had to restart restart again. Didn't work out. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm it's, having it's, trouble. I'm having trouble hearing you. There's a lot of buzzing going on. Ah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's just me or everyone, but I'm really there's a lot of buzzing on this end. Is it just me or? I've got uh, a little bit of it. Yeah, okay. I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it might, be, <laughs> might be Graham being outside. It might be all that stuff. So maybe if he's going to talk, you might have to mute him. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. So when he when he speaks, that may that may clear it up a little bit. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of it for me. Yeah, yeah. So what was the that's question that. again? Sorry, mate. Um, so, yeah, obviously in, in your experience of coaching and obviously you know, technical director, et cetera, around football, have you have you experienced that as a, like a coach, players that have may have had a chance obviously getting up to that level, even even if it's like juniors obviously into the top top lead of the MPL, but just that gap, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just, it, it's just, it seems to be that too big a gap, you know what I mean? It's just like they get to the the next level, let's say, and then go, holy shit, this is, well, we had a we we had a lot of that this year at Vallo, for example. Oh, I shouldn't say any names or anything like that, of course. But there was a lot of kids and people who wanted to go play up a year. They were too good. They wanted to go up, and the problem there was that when they actually got to that year up or two years up, they realised they weren't enjoying it as much, and they had a shocking year as such. And now they're looking at going back. So it might sound wonderful going to that next level, but a lot of them can't cope at that next level. That's yeah. the experience I've had a lot of. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's just from past, obviously, plays and that we've had on and stuff like that. And obviously a few of the young blokes that come in from um, <laughs> Sydney. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, 
Um, who was that bloke, Ben, that we had on? Um, he came in for a bit and then he went back to Sydney, he went back to. He came in for the Jets on a trial and um, he, he got mm-hmm. a contract at the end of last year or whatever it was. And it just, yeah, it was just too much. You know what I mean? Even he said that, you know, yeah. it was just a completely different level. Yeah. Not what he was expecting. <laughs> It can actually burn a lot of players out doing stuff like that too, yeah. which is, yeah, I've got a couple of kids on that the same thing. They're refusing to play at their own age group. They want to play up. And it's like, well, look, it's you. It's development age. It mm. may develop you playing in the older age group, but it could also kill you too. It's, mm. yeah. 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 It's, it's one of those, it can bat around the confidence a bit too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, Christian, you'd be in that sort of situation. You know, you could still technically play under, what is it, under 23s, I think it is now. Um, the second, you know, you could still play there, but obviously, you know, you've been playing um, first grade, obviously, for a while. Um, you know, obviously, so it's, it's work for you. Um, but is, is that sort of what we're trying to get at? Is that, it, it can happen if you, if you witness that with others? Yeah, well, you know, from a... I think from a player's point of view, it's sometimes maybe a bit different. Like, you know, like Graham and Stephen both said, it's it's got two different side effects. It can go one way and go really well for you or it can go the other way and it can batter your confidence and, you know. Um, but, you know, it's from from a player's standpoint of view, um, you know, I think it is also something where it, it has to be mentally challenging. Um, but they've also got to be, you know, a massive thing in development is they have to be physically ready for it. You know, you can't chuck somebody that's, you know, hasn't hit their growth spurt from under 11, uh, from under, you know, 12s playing in the 14s and 15s. You know, you have like, and that's, and that's, I think just, uh, especially for someone like me at 16, I was, you know, I had a fair bit of muscle and I was quite strong for my age, whereas some boys hadn't, you know, hadn't developed that way. So, I just think, you know, in terms of, like, development and things like that, it does also come down to, like, the kids' physicality and things like that as well. Yeah. Before we move on to our final two topics, obviously, we'll get, Graham your thoughts, mate, as a coach. Um, I'm sure you've witnessed, obviously, kids obviously come up, um, obviously, even, you know, at under-18s or whatever to try and get into first grade. And, you know, it may be just that too much or um, what's it been like? Um, Well, I think it's dependent on the individual like I had a I had a kid play six first grade games last year early and he was in the under 15s um, but his as Christian said his body it was a it was an adult body and um, and he handled it fine but um, yeah I, in terms of a, a younger age uh, depends it really depends who you're getting the level of coaching you're getting so for me, the, the like you're talking. Are we talking about players? Are, are we talking about the issue of players not, young not making it to first grade? Or are we talking about young kids wanting to play up? What, what? Well, it's all we're talking. It's a bit. It's a bit of both. It's it's a bit of we, we're about to go into obviously the second final topic we've got for the night, which is obviously the second division, which has been on obviously everyone's thoughts. And you know, when is it going to come? When do we need it now? How many years away is it going to be? And obviously, which, yeah. is going to make, which is going to make that sort of step a little bit easier. You know, you can go from MPL to there, then to the A-League. Yeah. So that may be that that step we need. So in, so what we're sort of saying is it can be from 15s to obviously, you know, reserves. It's just it's uh, that step, you know. If you're taking it from that side, like I, the one thing 
can understand why it happens, but I, as a head coach, I look at the under-16s as a, a level that I'm starting to identify first-grade players if they're, if they're yep. one, good enough, and two, obviously, if they meet all, tick all the other boxes. Yeah. This 16s to 18, that's each individual thing, but this 16s, 18s, 20s into first-grade, yep. um, I, I have my own opinions over that in terms of... I, I, I don't see the, the moving from 16s to 18s to 20s. I, I have some a difference of opinion in terms of 16s to 20s that they, they have to go through almost through the ladder system. For me, for me, if you're not identifying a kid at 16s, and that's not all cases, but in general, if you're not identifying a kid by under 16s that there's potential for first grade, then yeah, it's you, you, you're. You, I don't know, Stephen and I were talking about something that Arsene Wenger just released recently, his philosophy on the game and where kids are at. It's a pretty pretty decent article that he's produced in terms of, he gives you age demographics of where kids are at based on, on where they should be. Mm. And yeah, certainly at Christian's level, when, when he was going through the Jets system, that's probably a good example that he was getting identified at 17-year-old. Yep. For me, being honest, if I and it's not always the case, but as a head coach, if I get a kid under twenties and I've not identified them yet, yep. either I'm either I'm not doing my due diligence within the club and spotting these players, or that even at semi pro level, that opportunity's probably passed them by. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, as I said, it's just one of those things, obviously, um, and that's why we're going to talk, talk, jump into it quickly now, is obviously the second division with, um, you know, it's been on everyone's mind for a long time, obviously, that, you know, we probably do need a second division, um, even even for, obviously, to help, obviously, the NPL clubs, even, obviously, Northern New South Wales and then Sydney and then all around Australia, you know, to put these big, you know, the bigger teams, obviously, that are doing pretty well and hitting them against, obviously, the best NPL clubs um, on, on a bigger stage, you know what I mean, obviously, than what they what they get throughout the year, um, whether it be FFA Cup or um, I believe there was a tournament there at one point. I don't know if it's still involved, still going around on it. Stephen, you might have an idea on that. Is that there was like a tournament between, obviously, the NPL clubs. Um, and UFM. They, they tried to start that up last year, and a lot of UFM clubs didn't really want to borrow it at all because yeah. the, the, the idea they actually had, they sold it to the UFM clubs was it gives um, new NPL clubs a look at the new FM. Now, new FM didn't want to release their players, and rightly so. They want to still win competitions, to be fair to them. Yeah. Soccer yeah. is about winning. So that sort of folded. This year, they've gone ahead with it again, but they've sold it in a different way, which was better. But they've gone on a, on a 9v9 on a half a field, which I don't think that's the way it should be run. It should be run on a full field, normal soccer for those age groups. And they've only gone with under-14s and under-15 sides. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, obviously, you know, the second division, I feel, is needed. Um, we'll start with Christian. Obviously, get your thoughts on it as a player. Um, you've played in FFA Cup matches. Um, you know, you've played around, you know, around the world and so forth and the A-League level and everything else. Is the second division needed for you? Um, and how soon do you feel it should be brought in? Look, I think it's a massive uh, – it is important because, like I said, for 
for young players to develop, you need to – the whole purpose of, you know, say the whole philosophy in England is if you're at a higher position club at a championship Premier League, you go out on loan, you know, mm. there's not enough opportunity here to play men's football. You know, you either have your A-League, but if you're at the tail end of an A-League team, you know, a youngster and things like that, you don't actually get to, you know, really express yourself and have consistent opportunities in playing football. Um, you know, and that's similar to say maybe the NPL environment for like Graham said is, you know, you might miss a, you might miss a kid here and there, or like, you know, they might just not be breaking through because they're not playing against men. Like it's a totally different thing about playing twenties and playing men's football. So I think in terms of, um, you know, with the, when it comes in, I'm not sure, you know, that's, you know, the, there's a whole bunch more around that, like your, your financial and all that type of things. But I think the importance of it would be, it would be massive because it gives people players an opportunity to a you know be in A league environments, get loaned out to your sec uh, to your to your second division, uh, you know, or your MPL players getting promoted up there, and it creates so many more opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's professional, whether it's semi pro, they'd be training more, they'd have better facilities, they'd be in the gym more. You know, there's so many things which can factor into actually make driving players because right now it is a tough gap for MPL players to get to the A-League like mm. it, it is hard you know that's it's you know you can't you can't put a blanket over that that is a hard process to be able to make that jump so I think bringing a second tier in really will open up um, opportunities for a lot of youngsters especially you know to be able to bridge that gap to be able to get noticed from MPL to second division and second division you know, to um, to make that further step. And I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's so important. Um, you know, we need to create, like like we said, you know, Scotland's got, I think, three pro divisions. Eng- England's got five professional divisions, you know. And that's just, you know, you get players, I have friends that get loaned out from championship to the fifth division and they go mm-hmm. and play for a season, but that means you play men's football. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's what it revolves around is, you know, once you incorporate, um, start to incorporate people into men's football, they get so much more experience. They start to understand the game faster, you know, and that's just, and that's where you have building blocks to go further and, you know, produce players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Graham, your, your thoughts, mate, obviously. Um, yeah, the, the game over here won't progress till there is a second division, quite simply. Um, minutes on the park equals experience equals options it's so difficult I, I was having a good chat with a professional player the other night about it so difficult I wouldn't want to be a 17 year old kid with potential on the crust trying to make it in Australia but nigh on impossible so there's got to be a second division Christian's nailed it actually uh, really, he, he, he was very articulate the way he said it there there's got to be an option for the kids that are on, on the crisp be making it. And it then allows clubs to send these players off and test them with minutes on the park, but not but not at the risky, obviously, results for them. Mm. You, get, you get the new Jets coach coming in just now, Papas. There, there is, without mentioning names, there's, there's, there'll be five, six kids playing locally in the NPL just now mm. that if given the opportunity probably could make the Jets system and make the Jets first grade, but they're not going to get that opportunity just now because there's limited contracts available. Yeah. If the Jets had to be their club playing in a second division that they could put them on a Jets contract, loan them out straight away, 
them in a professional environment, see how they go. But the, the the whole game will prosper. Yeah, just yep. Australian football is pretty stagnant until the yeah. B division does come in. In in well, saying in saying that though, I wouldn't be opposed to um, what are they called? The APL raising the limit on the amount of players an A League club is allowed to have if that were able to happen. Yeah, but you end up with a situation with Christian six minutes here, three minutes there. You want guys playing thirty games? And, yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. If you if they're signed on the A League clubs and the APL opens up for the A League clubs, you know they're allowed to sign an extra say their squad spots. They're allowed to have an extra five yeah. now. They can use yeah. they can utilize those extra five to then loan them yeah. down. In reality, the monetary value of transfers in Australia is zero anyway. So. Yeah. If you have a successful B division, even contracted players, it's it, if you get a successful B division, that in sale, it'll, it'll cover itself. You know, it's just yeah. it's it's one of those things where if you create a second division, it you know it it's mentally and emotionally hard as well. When when you're coming up, you're going, I'm going for an A league deal like that. That's hard. That is a lot. Like you just think of that and you go, that is a big goal. But you know, if you give and being this, being in this situation where I'm going to go to the A League or MPL, it can mentally burn players. Like, and yeah. that's you know, like, like we said before, in development, you can overwhelm a player, and that's and that's what happened these days. Like, I have so many friends that were probably better footballers than me. Like, you know, there are like Graham said that you got kids out there and players out there that can stand out if you put them in that environment, but because there isn't that environment. You know, you can't just take someone from one place and put them in the next mm-hmm. and be like, we'll deal with it because they'll just turn around. Players, like, you know, like you said, if you raise the cap by another five in clubs, it's all well and good. But if you purchase those players and just leave them somewhere and they don't play, mm-hmm. that is, like, as a player, that is the worst feeling and mentally, like, draining. Your coach might be like, no, it's all good. Like, we believe in you. But you just sitting there on a bench is, like, is demoralizing. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing you do as a player is want to play. Yeah, yeah, and t- totally agree. Obviously, um, Stephen, sort of the same thing. Obviously, everyone's sort of touched on it there. But I'll add into that. Obviously, the, the Jets. We're talking about the Jets system and so forth. The Jets youth system is now obviously playing in Sydney. I think it's yeah. third division or something like that at the moment in Sydney. Um, yeah. Do you do you feel that that's the right position for those guys to the, the youngsters to be in? Are they, is it should they be that low, or even yet should they probably be back at the MPL where, you know. I believe they should be back with us, definitely, in our competition because it actually raises the level of our competition. People want into that competition. Mm-hmm. You can say, I play at the highest level at Newcastle, I play with the Jets. At the moment, we can't say that. Yeah. But in fairness to the Sydney clubs, should the Jets be allowed to go straight in and bump out other teams and clubs that will work for so many years to get to that? Oh, yeah. They should be in a higher level. But to be fair to those other clubs, it would really piss me off if you went in there and then kicked out other clubs and then bumped them up to the rankings. Yeah. But they should be away. Northern should be trying to entice the Jets youth back into the Newcastle area because the kids go through the ranks. Once they've hit the MPL highest level here, where's there to go? The Jets was their pathway to that higher level. Yeah. Then eventually you will have Edgeworth. I think it's Edgeworth that's actually going for the B League. Kids will go into our – I'll go to the rankings. I'll go from Z grade to A grade community, new FM, MPL, 
then they'll go to the Edgeworth and then go to the JET system. There should be a stepping stone pathway wherever you go. Now, all of a sudden, we've lost that stepping stone. At the moment, where is it a step from the MPL youth to that next level? There's one team that's gone to Sydney and playing in there, and I bet they're going to start snapping up players from the Sydney comp, not the Newcastle comp. So we have lost a massive thing there when the Jets went to Sydney. Yeah, it was mm. definitely something I couldn't fathom when when it happened. It was just like, you know, like, okay, mm. it may, it, again, I, I don't really follow the Sydney comp. It may have been a better comp. Um, yeah. you know, I, it, I, it is definitely stronger competition than ours, but not third division. Not from one of yeah. the coaches I was speaking to that goes down there. He said they're slaughtering oh. every week down there. So Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that was part of the compromise of them moving, that they would move to the stronger league, but they wouldn't be granted access straight straight into straight the away. NPL system. Yeah. They had to work their way up from the bottom. Yeah. 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 But um, I think Norland should be getting involved in trying to bring them back. I, I 100% agree. If, 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 yeah. if you are the Newcastle Jets, you know, uh, um, NPL side you should be you should yeah. be playing in Newcastle because that's you know that's that's the catchment area for those younger players as you yeah. said they've completely lost their stepping stone between mm. you know a league and and MPL or, or first grade yeah that's yeah. where I think promotion and relegation into our MPL and UFM comp needs to happen more. I know they're yeah. letting Cooks Hill in. Great, wonderful. But that's where they need to start to strengthen up the competitions because mm. at the moment it, the competition has gone a bit stagnant for quite a few years. They almost nearly need to bring in some of the community teams into New FM and maybe bump the New FMs out if they're not good enough, if they're not holding their own. You need to sort of get – they need to get their hands on with the MPL again, I reckon, in the Premier League. Northern you You've literally nailed it on the head because that's our final topic we were going to hit on is obviously Cooks Hill being, <laughs> Cooks Hill being promoted. Obviously, you know, Graham, you've had a massive, um, you know, obviously, I suppose, experience at Cooks Hill, obviously getting to getting them to where they are, three titles um, in a row, I believe, and obviously um, definitely on the path to now getting promotion. Um, but that is obviously, that's, that's great. Obviously, it's good to see, obviously, a new team come in. I think it's... Um, it's needed, as obviously um, Stephen said, promotion relegation needs to happen in the competition. Um, what What are your thoughts, obviously, on that, Graham? Obviously, you know you've got to be happy for them. Obviously, you're not there now, but you've got to be happy for them. Obviously, coming up, they've only been in the existence, I think, since 2007, I think, um, around that period. So obviously, 97 the club started there. Uh, 97. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so obviously, you know, they're not they're not an old club. Um, you know, 97 is a long time, but it's not, you know, it's no Adam Seddon Rosebuds, etc. Um, what are your thoughts on it, mate? Yes, they've come up, which is fantastic. Um, do you uh, feel from a personal, a personal level? I'm really pleased for everyone at the club. Obviously, I spent yeah. three and a half years there, so uh, I've held friendships beyond that. So, really pleased for the committee there. They're, they, they've worked very hard to get that club up. Yeah. Um, more pleased for the local game, to be honest with you. I think um, it's one step towards a more competitive NPL, and when we do open it up to promotion and relegation, then I, I think that will be the final step to strengthening our own local competition. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I just think it's a good step in the right direction for me. It probably uh, pull synergies in with your last question about the A League and a B division. The A League's 
stale without a relegation, without consequences for failure. Um, And I see the NPL is the same, to be honest with you. I think it's a a real positive step by Northern, so fair play to them. Um, And the final step will probably be um, bringing in promotion relegation continually because... We we always talk about the NPL. It's a ve- look at it now. It's a very competitive competition, but it's still stale at the bottom. There's there's no punishment for failure, and sport, pretty much certainly at a semi professional level, should um, hold consequences for failure. That's what makes us all do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it needs it, it definitely need obviously promotion relegation now. Cook till come in. I think obviously. I think somebody. I, sorry to interrupt, but I. I it's way beyond my brain capacity, but I, I, I have been speaking to a few of the technical directors and people at the senior youth level, and that I believe they're trying to come up with a model that doesn't um, kill teams from a youth side. If, if say they fail, say a team yep. unfortunately are bottom of the league in the the seniors, I think they try to calculate some system that would allow them to hold their their youth status at NPL. I, I above my brain capacity, but if they could come up with a formula there, that all the better because I do, I do think that um, it could kill a club that invests so heavily in youth. So if you have a bad season, which can happen in football, if they could come up with a formula that doesn't kill a club completely, um, then all the better. Mm. But from a from a first game point of view, yeah, yeah, it can, it's really good for Cookshill coming up. Um, but wider, it's hopefully the first step towards the whole game. Yeah, I feel um, I, I feel that pain all too well. I freaking remember playing for Adamstown, you know, a long time ago now. But obviously, first grade, they they got beat. We had finished bottom, and they got relegated. We won the grand final in um, at the nineteens, and that we were on a high, and then got freaking yeah, got dropped to the two HD or whatever it was. Yeah, and, and, and it sucked, you know, like the whole squad left. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's virtually dismantled. Well, that's that. Ultimately, that's what happens, Josh. And yeah. and you you can you can like take a you could take a, take a decade off a club with that happening. Mm. Like, a, you, like there's a club, for example, South Cardiff. They yeah. they got re- yep. relegated not long after I came to Australia, and they've never came back. So, mm. and and mm. they've got all the, they've got all without mentioning too much on them. They're a club that's got all the facilities and whatnot, and just went down on the wrong year and they've never returned and probably a, a long road back for a club like that now, you know? Yeah, there's got to there's yeah. be a way that the actions of the, the first grade doesn't punish the, the youth in the academies side of things. Yeah, I can remember when I was playing at that age, um, that was right at the time when Maitland were trying to get up and they were getting, they get they used to get knocked back. They were, they were the best team in the 2HD back, back when I was playing and they'd always get beat Oh, sorry, always get knocked back. They'd win the premiership and so forth, and they get knocked back on facility. You know, they just needed the players. right head coach to get them up. Uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> yeah, who, was, who was that? Uh, but but that's what it was like. The, the lights weren't good enough, and then the field wasn't good enough, and they didn't have the facilities. It was, and it, let's be honest, when I played there over a decade ago, it was a shithole. <laughs> it's a bit. It's the best ground in Newcastle now. It's like a bowling green. It was, yeah. freaking, it was a dust bowl and it was the last place you'd want to go, sit on top of the hill there and freezing cold. But that's but again, Count- it's still been told. It's yeah. It's Mickey Mouse now. Council looks after the field and it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna slowly wrap it up now, obviously, guys. But we, I do thank you guys very much um, for jumping on, talking a bit of MPL and so forth. I think um, before we go, obviously, we're touching on the second division and that. And ben and I, Ben will agree with me here. We had um, who we have on, obviously, a while back, Branko Kalina, mm. and he summed it up really well in regards to the coaching side of things and development of the second division and stuff like that, where he virtually said that since the AIS dismantled and obviously hasn't been there hasn't there hasn't been a pathway for Australian football as, as good as it was. You know, what I mean back then when they had the AIS, you had the best players in the country in the one spot and they would train, they would play seven days a week, they would travel as one. Um, you know, and since it dismantled, it hasn't been the same. Obviously the quality of football hasn't been the same and so forth. Um which I suppose I would agree with that, uh, just from past plays we've had on, obviously, Taylor Riggs and Wheelhouse and stuff like that who have sort of been in that sort of environment have said, you know, that their best time was obviously at the AIS. Mm. Um, but he also stated as well, we talked to him about coaching and coming back, you know, would you consider coming back, obviously, and maybe not as a head coach, but to an A-League club, you know, in, say, the junior side of things and that. And he virtually turned it down. He said no. Yeah, he said no. He's like, there's no way. He goes, I would rather have the best coaches like myself, obviously not he wasn't stating himself as the best coach, but, you know, a lot of experienced coaches like myself coaching at a junior level, at an MPL level or, you know, like an academy and getting the best players out there and then having the newer, new-faced coaches, obviously, you know, the younger coaches who are coming up and let them have their A-League, you know, coach at that sort of level and everything else and where we where the older guys can get in, they can find, as you said, um, Graham, you know, find that fifteen year old kid, sixteen year old kid and really work with them to get them to that level. Um yeah, just just obviously yeah, something random I just sort of thought about then mm. when we had him on, which was really good. What are your thoughts mm. in in that sort of thing? You know, coach the more experienced coaches, would you would you would you like to see that? Obviously a lot of the guys come down a little bit to try and help get them up. Graham, uh, why ask you first? Um, well, I was actually <laughs> I was speaking to somebody today on the phone about the, um, just, we were just talking about the local jet system and yeah. I, I, I personally really would like the Newcastle Jets to be um, identifying players that, 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 that have had good local players that have had a good career and and looking for a pathway to get them into the system, one for them to develop as coaches and to pass on key information to, to key players at the right time. Thirteens again back to the Wenger um, statements he's been releasing recently and thirteens to sixteens is just such a key time and mm. um and I and I, I and I I know it comes down to finances in, in Australian football, but we really should be looking at the, the best players that, that can offer stuff back to our youths and, and I can't say that's happening just now. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, obviously, food for thought, obviously. Um, again, guys, we do, I do thank you for jumping on, giving up a bit of your time, obviously, talking a bit of MPL and everything else. Um, Christian, mate, for you, obviously, again, thank, thanks very much for jumping on, mate. Um, I hope, re- hope rehab goes really well for you, buddy, and you can back on the pitch sooner sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Well, I'm back on the pitch. I had a couple – I've played about – I've got, what, probably about three games just before COVID hit. So yep. Yep. I'm back out there, but hopefully when it comes oh, back really? around, if if the season comes back around, then we'll wait and see. 
Those uh, trials I set you up for in Scotland, Christian, the clubs are thinking you've got lost, mate. I was waiting for a fan call. <laughs> mate, hopefully, hopefully they come knocking. If not Scotland, it's anywhere around the world, mate, obviously. Um, Wait and see. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Wait and see. Next time we talk to you, mate, you're freaking out. Yeah, Thanks, gents. Thanks, no, much. Cheers, it. buddy. Appreciate it. Look after yourself, guys. You too, mate. Thanks. Bye. Um, see you, mate. As as for you guys, I do, um, yeah, again, thank you guys very much for jumping on. It is a pleasure. Um, good luck, hopefully, for the rest of the season. Hopefully, COVID sort of pisses off for a bit and allows you guys to finish. I did hear that, obviously, um, the coaches have come together and stated that they definitely want the season to finish up, if possible. They're um, trying to extend it to the end of October like they did last year to try yeah. to still play all the game, remaining games and the semi-final. So hopefully yeah. that can go ahead, but we don't know. Yeah, well, that's it. F- fingers crossed, obviously. Um, yeah, it, it, it happens. Obviously, you know, no one wants to sort of sit here and, you know, so you have, sort of sit, think back and go, you know, what could have been, obviously, on the season. Um, next season's going to be un- off the charts. Obviously, next season's going to be hectic. Boogs is in. Obviously, there's a few more. I'm sure you're trying to get into the club there, Graham, mate. Um, but obviously, yeah, just yeah, just the, the the club have been awesome, Robbie and Anthony, and not just at first grade level. What what they're trying to implement through the whole club. So it's it's quite exciting at Azuri just now. Obviously, Stevens came in as a ta- technical director, but well, we got people in good positions just now. We got a really strong committee and. And yeah, we got a we got a good squad, and and hopefully we can we can have a good year. If not this year, then certainly next year. That's exactly right. Um, do you want me to get onto Instagram, mate, and get um get Lubo, see if Lubo's about, see if he wants to come back for another hit out. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard the stories about Lubo. <laughs> oh, poor old Lubo, far out. I think that was the first experience you experienced at MPL, wasn't it, Ben? When you come up? Yeah, it was, it was it uh, was Bud's best chance. Yeah, Buzz vs. Charles. sat down there and watched Lube make an absolute dick of himself. It was quite funny. Yeah, but I <laughs> spent the day before on a flight, which was completely packed with victory supporters, and Lubo was three seats ahead of me. That's right. Oh, that's for the grand. That was wow. the that was for the grand twenty eighteen grand final. You poor bastard! You should have sat further back. Um, now, nah, honestly, guys, yeah, thanks very much for jumping on. Hopefully, we might might get his on obviously at a later date when he's we're heading into next um the next MPL season and so forth. See how he's tracking along. It's definitely something that I wouldn't mind doing. Obviously, with all the MPL clubs next season, just to get a run into the season ahead. But um, but yeah, no, yeah. we thank you, thank you for coming on, guys, and obviously um yeah, picking your brain a little bit about obviously the local competition and where it needs to improve and um yeah, see everything else. Thanks, gents. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye. See you later.